Hello and welcome to Energy Voice Out Loud, leading the global energy conversation. I'm Ryan, one of our reporters, and today we're live on the show floor at Offshore Europe with Matt from Wood. How are you doing today, pal? Very well, sir. Very well. Thank you very much for the invite. Appreciate it. Glad to, glad to have you here. How have you been finding the event? It's been off the scale. I think uh, the energy we've seen is palpable. As I said to somebody yesterday, I've been walking around for the last few days like uh, grinning like the Cheshire cat because uh, it's great to be back. I think there's a lot of symbolism around the 50th anniversary and obviously it's the first one back in person since, uh, since the pandemic. So yeah, doing really well, thanks. Good, good. And you know, over the past few days, we've heard a lot about obviously transition. It's a hot topic. Yep. Heard a lot about skills, but I think the thing that I want to touch on while I've got you here is, is the North Sea workforce agile enough to keep up with this changing technology to get us through that energy transition? Yeah, absolutely. And that is the answer. Absolutely. Uh, is is the uh, my impressions. I mean, I've worked in the, the industry and the sector for going on 20 years. And, and during that time, I've seen a massive shift in terms of the attitudes and how we deploy our services. and. You know, the pioneering spirit that we have in this industry, which it's built on, continues to this day. And adopting technology is key to making sure that we work in a more efficient and sustainable way. And uh, if I talk about a couple of things that we're doing here in Woods, um, if I look at how we're using technology to sense methane emissions and looking for leaks and helping our customers identify them and, and keep those, those uh, emissions in pipe work, it's, uh, it's not only good for their business, but probably more importantly, it's good for the environment. So that's just one of many things. And I think uh, technology is key to unlocking a lot of the potential that we see for energy transition. It'll make us work more efficiently and more sustainably. So yeah, absolutely. I think we're up for the challenge. So the workforce, you know, we, you're saying we can adapt, they can work with this new technology that is so crucial for the energy transition. But there's been, a, there's been a lot of chat around how do we attract that talent and more sure. importantly, how do we keep a hold of them to get yeah. through that 2050 goal? Absolutely. And, and for a company like Wood, resources and people is absolutely key to our delivery. So it's at the forefront of our mind. Every day we talk about resourcing and you know, just listening to the business breakfast um, yesterday, it's really exciting times in terms of the spend that is coming through the sector. And I, I use this, the word sector in an energy space because for me, energy is, is all of the things of renewables, it's oil and gas, it's, it's carbon capture, it's hydrogen, all those things come under that energy mix. So getting people into the industry, um, the, next, the next generation, bringing that diversity of thought and talent is a really important thing. And I think, there's been a bit of a shift probably in the last few months in terms of some of the, the messaging that's coming out in the media and from political parties, which is probably a bit more balanced in terms of the size of the challenge, the importance of oil and gas, but how the energy transition will be delivered by the resources and the people that are involved in organizations that currently do oil and gas. So getting that message loud and clear into the next generation, you know, the next generation of engineers or project managers or financial people, is really important and I, I can speak from experience as I said earlier on working for 20 years in the industry it's a fantastic opportunity to have a great career getting lots of different exposures and learning things whilst tackling society's biggest challenge which is climate change and we all have a vested interest in making sure that happens so I think there's a great opportunity to bring in talent in the retention space 
I've worked in oil and gas, but I've also worked in other sectors like sort of uh, nuclear and and in renewables as well. I've, I've been involved with wind turbines, for example, and it's amazing how transferable the skills are from one to the other. The principles are very much the same. So getting that message out to our existing workforce that, you know, there is going to be a slow decline of oil and gas, which is going to take time, but it is going to be a managed transition. And the skills that we have now as, as technicians, as engineers, it's all about solving problems. It's just how you apply those problem-solving skills. So the ability to transfer skills into the future is absolutely one that I think is very real and one that we want to capitalise on. I think David Whitehouse put it quite well in the, the skills session yesterday morning when he said, you know, there's, we hear the phrase green jobs quite a lot come up. Yep. But for, from his perspective, there's no such thing as a green job. It's an energy job because, Absolutely. like you say, it's, it's all part of that mix and we're yep. all pushing for that energy transition. But one thing that keeps coming up, you mentioned politics earlier. Political policy has been a bit of a, maybe, maybe stumbling block the blocks, maybe a harsh way to put it, but it's definitely been heavily sure. criticised on our road to net zero. Yeah. But So what can and maybe should the government be doing from a policy standpoint to help us get to that goal? Yeah, for me, it's, uh, and the strap line I would use on this is pace over perfection. I think uh, to date we've had a real risk and danger that decision making and policy has taken too long and it's getting wrapped up in itself to actually it's, it's, make, it's creating uncertainty which is not helpful when it comes to investment and trying to drive uh, decision making for, for investment from a, a, a corporate perspective but also from a government perspective. As we heard yesterday there's 200 billion pounds worth of investment sitting there, um, but 100, million, 100 billion of that has yet to be allocated. So there's a huge appetite to make this work, but legislation is, is slowing things down and it's causing uh, uncertainty to the organizations in terms of, let's be honest, how do we place our money? Where do we put it? How do we make sure that we get return on investment? Um, as I say, there's a huge ambition to make the transition happen, but policy needs to move faster. It needs to keep up with the pace that the energy transition um, needs to achieve. It needs to keep up with the pace of the targets that we've set. So for me, pace over perfection. Let's just get after it. You mentioned earlier solving problems and yeah, working at pace is so important to make sure we hit those Paris Agreement goals. Yeah. Uh, but the, the industry as a whole is global in the same yeah. way that the energy transition is a global issue. So. When it comes to North Sea firms, what learning can we take from other regions and apply to ensure that we, we achieve that pace that we need? Absolutely. And I think if there's anything the last few years um, of a pandemic has taught us is how we, the world is a much smaller place and how we can connect and communicate more readily. And, and, and a company like Woods has experts all around the globe in various different uh, spheres. Carbon capture, for example, our, our, our experts, global experts for that are not based in Aberdeen. They're based in the UK, but they're based in one of our other offices. Technology, as I said earlier on, can, is key to unlocking a lot of that ability to leverage those skills in a timely fashion and connect with other subject matter experts on, on customer side of the organization. So I, I think, um, I guess to kind of flip your question a little bit as well, um, looking at the, the capability we have here in region is probably world class. So I think there's a lot of learnings 
that other regions can take from, from this region and the maturity that we've developed through the supply chain in terms of you know, how we show up and how we do business. Um, I guess one of the learnings though from a, a, an overseas perspective is other governments probably are moving faster uh, and they're probably willing to take more chances in terms of making decisions. Um, that, that would probably be a big learning I think we can, we can take from other uh, regions and geographies is that if we don't, if we don't move fast, we're, we're going to be left behind. Uh, and that's a key thing. I think that's been received loud and clear at a, at a ministerial level. And I know Dave and the team are doing a great job at uh, helping the community have a voice. Uh, and a key thing that Dave talked about yesterday is us un using that unified voice to, to, to make sure that we're having those educated, uh, informed decisions. You know, I, we're just rounding out. I, don't, I know you're really busy. It's a super busy event, so we're not going to take too much more of your time. So let's end on a bit of a positive note. Is the, the supply chain, you know, we just spoke about that, is it adapting to the energy transition as effectively as we'd maybe want it to? Absolutely. I mean, as I said earlier on, a company like Wood, when I joined as a, a young graduate engineer back in 2003, about 97% of our revenues was pure oil and gas. Uh, we have massively evolved over time uh, in that space. And I can only see that continuing to occur through using the, the sound technical and engineering principles that we have and applying them to today's problems. So, and I, and I think the, the adaptability comes from a will and a, a collective ambition to make this happen. Uh, and this week's been a great example of people coming together, discussing, today's challenges, looking for solutions for tomorrow. Uh, and collectively, we're all, we're all on board and on the same page with that. So yeah, I'm really excited about it. And I think we've, we've got the, the, as I said at the beginning, the pioneering spirit to, to make this happen. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Matt Nesbitt from Wood. And thank you very much for watching. I've been Ryan for Energy Voice. And if you'd like to stay tuned to that global energy conversation, listen to Energy Voice out loud. Out Loud is the podcast from Energy Voice, leading the global energy conversation. Bookmark and subscribe to energyvoice.com, sign up to our newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for expert analysis and insight right across the energy sector. Subscribe to Out Loud on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And please do encourage colleagues and friends to listen to Out Loud too. If you've enjoyed it, leaving a rating or review, especially on Apple Podcasts, helps others discover it too. Thank you.